the throne and he rules and reigns father we just welcome you into this place this morning and we thank you lord that we're going to have a great encounter with you lord in your presence is fullness of joy and our joy will be full because your joy is in us and we exalt and praise you lord and lift up your name in this place in jesus name amen let's stand and worship the lord
something happens when we declare who God is and what He's done. Amen. When we declare the greatness of our God, we serve a great God. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. Oh, we lift up praise in this place today, Lord. Our praise is directed to you, Almighty God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. When we lift up our voices and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus. Lord, we are humbled and grateful for your interaction with us. Lord, you dwell in our midst. You move on our behalf. You work in our lives. You bind every wound. You heal every broken heart. You set captives free. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And Lord, you speak to us. you down. Don't let darkness deter you from my purpose. For I am the God of light and my light penetrates darkness. My light causes darkness to flee. My light shines in you and I have set you free. So walk in my light. Enjoy my light. For in my light is your power and your might. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. I can see light penetrating darkness. My goodness, it dispels darkness. It causes darkness to leave. Hallelujah. Glory. God dwells in un- un- unsearchable lights. Hallelujah. Amen. You may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do a wonderful job? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we are glad that you're here. And if you're watching, we're glad that you're watching. However you need to connect with the church, you need to connect. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, one of the privileges that we have as believers in Christ Jesus is we get to speak the word. Jesus gave us his word and he gave us the authority to declare his word. 
And uh, when we declare his word, the Holy Spirit activates it and brings it to pass. So let's together make our confession of faith. All right, let's make our confession. We worship an awesome God. The great and amazing God is among us. Our God reigns supreme. He is the God of gods and Lord of lords. God is great, mighty, and awesome. Our God stands alone. He is the one and only rock of our salvation. Our chief cornerstone and firm foundation. We are safe and secure in Him. Our God is the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets. He shows us things that are hidden. God is our Father. Jesus is our Lord. And His Holy Spirit is our partner working in us. And in Him we live, move, and have our being. We are redeemed by God who does great and awesome things. God strengthens and empowers us. And we bless His holy name. All things are under His feet. And Jesus is the head of all things to the church. God our Savior alone is wise. To Him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, now and forever. Amen. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising Word of God. To build a strong body of believers. And to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. I just want to encourage you. I think as believers, this should be the happiest time of your life. We are in a moment of history that we get to live stuff out that we read about in the Bible. Amen. And you should be so excited that you get to participate. We don't know what God has planned, but we always know it's a big show. I mean, the water's parting in a red sea, that's a show. Too bad they didn't have cameras back then. But, <laughs> you know, when uh, David defeated Goliath, that was a show. When Jesus stripped the enemy of his authority, he did it openly as a show. Amen? So we are not hiding in the closet somewhere praying, oh God, help us. We are rejoicing with God and thanking him for his move on the earth. God still has work to do on the earth. I don't know about you, but I still know people that are going to hell if they died right now. Yes. And God's work is that they don't. Yes. So we need to pray that, oh, God, don't take this up. Every people are praying, oh, let's just leave. No, there's people that need to be saved. Amen. Amen. And we need to be in a mode of revival. Revive yes. yourself inside. Just stir yourself up that wherever you go, you can share hope joy, peace, and share the message of salvation. Amen? So people could be saved. This is nothing. I was thinking the other day, my God, if people realize that hell is eternal, mm -hmm. there is no way out. This is the place for the way out. Right here on earth. So whatever we, we have seen on the earth that is really bad, you know, you know, there are places that people live in such terrible, terrible situations. 
It is nothing compared to hell. Man. It doesn't even touch what hell would be like. Unfortunately, the church has forgotten to tell people about hell. And has been more interested in making the people who do come to church feel a little bit more comfortable and happy and loved. Look, folks. <laughs> your neighbor may go to hell if they die today and you lived next to them for so long. Do they know about Jesus? Do they know where you go every Sunday? Do they know where you go on a Wednesday night? Do they know how you have hope and they feel like they don't? we got to start sharing the good news. Amen? And we have to start thinking of hell as eternal. That's probably not what you came to church here today, but we got to be reminded sometimes. But with that same remembrance, we have a hope that God is going to do everything he can to Amen. keep his message free. Yes. So we can publicly declare his good news. Amen? And that we can stop the massacre of children. That we can rescue those who are imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. There is no way on this planet that God will sit back and let the enemy show himself strong. It is God who is strong. Amen? But he needs us to engage and agree with him. So I'm, I'm agreeing with him. Hey, Daniel was by himself. He agreed. God gave him a, a download of things that we're still looking for today. Joseph was by himself. He agreed with God. Things happened. David was by himself in front of an entire army. He agreed with God. Things happened. Amen? Amen? So wherever you are, don't worry about what other people are not doing. You ask God what you should do. Because that's the key. Amen? Amen. You know, when you let God arise, enemies scatter. Yes. You know, God tells us not to cast away our confidence, for it has great recompense of reward. Here's a little portrayal called confidence and self-esteem. Confidence and self-esteem were best friends. They went everywhere together. If confidence bought a new dress, self-esteem bought one just like it. They were very close. One day, a new kid came to their school. His name was Peer Pressure. He had a friend called Hateful Words. They decided to give confidence a hard time. They constantly teased her. They forced her to do terrible things. It was so terrible that confidence lost self-esteem. When self-esteem wanted to start some classes, confidence said they, they wouldn't be any good. Then one day, peer pressure introduced confidence to doubt. He wanted to ruin confidence. But peer pressure said he couldn't yet. Self-esteem couldn't understand what was wrong with confidence. Confidence now hung around with depression. Low self-esteem and overeating. These girls were friends of peer pressure. Self-esteem no longer had any friends. She no longer felt good about herself. And she went to see her preacher. And preached her good words. Told her how to talk to confidence. He introduced her to his daughter, Encouragement. Encouragement and self-esteem went to find confidence. Self-esteem hoped she wasn't too late. The girls found confidence in a stupor. She was no longer a vibrant, happy young girl. 
there were dark uh, circles under her eyes. She had gained so much weight from, and, uh, from eating and couldn't move. Encouragement gasped and self-esteem cried. She begged encouragement to do something. Encouragement began to hug confidence. She kissed her and loved her. She told her that she was a beautiful young lady who had a lot going for her. Encouragement held confidence so tightly that self-esteem thought she was going to uh, um, be smothered. And uh, confidence began to cry. As she cried, she seemed to lose weight. Then a bright light suddenly glowed from confidence as she began to smile. Peer pressure and his friends didn't like what encouragement was doing and tried to attack her. They hit at her and pulled at her, but they couldn't pull her away from confidence. Then confidence began to speak. Get away from me, peer pressure. Take your friends and go. You no longer have power over me. Confidence was now a glowing light. She and her friends made sure that peer pressure and his gang never bothered anyone again. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. And before we dismiss our kids this morning, I just want to read from Leviticus 27. Leviticus 27, starting with verse 28. It says, Leviticus 27, 28, But nothing that a man sets apart that is devoted as an offering... To the Lord, out of all that he has, of man or of animal, or of the fields, or of his own property, shall be sold or redeemed. Anything devoted for destruction is most holy to the Lord. No one who may have been uh, set apart among men shall be ransomed from death. He shall most certainly be put to death. And all the tithe, the tenth part of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's, it is holy to the Lord. Did you know that the tithe is the Lord's? It is holy to him. And uh, he says if a man wishes to redeem any part of his tithe, he shall add one-fifth to it. That's 20%. So when you don't tithe, it costs you more. <laughs> it, it actually costs us more than we do. You know, when we tithe, we get to partner with God. We get to say, God, I give you this is yours because I trust you. I believe you. And God says, thank you. And he will bless the rest. Amen. How many want God's blessing on the rest? Father, I give you thanks and praise for every giver today and gift that they bring unto you and then put in your kingdom. Lord, I call them blessed by you, highly favored, empowered to prosper. Lord, you provide, protect, and uh, for them in every way in Jesus' name. Amen. If you give this morning, you can give any time during the service. If you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you're giving online, you can do that way as well. If you want to use a card, you can go into our bookstore. If you want to bring it in, you can bring it in. If you want to mail it in, you can mail it in. Amen. How many know there's ways to get it here? Amen. And I thank you that God blesses us. Amen. Hallelujah. And when I say anytime during the service, I mean it. Anytime. Right in the middle of my sermon, you can go and put that back there. Our seat planner's in the back there. Hallelujah. All right. We have some awesome Kids Life teachers. And awesome Kids Life kids. Amen. All right, kids, we want you to dismiss your class. Have a great class. Be blessed. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the presence of God. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
All right. Are you ready for the word this morning? I'd like for you to turn to the book of Second Peter. Second Peter, chapter two. And uh, we're going to begin there. We're talking about five things for the month of January that is going to prepare us for a future as an individual, as a church. These five things are key ingredients. How many know ingredients are important? When you have your favorite recipe and you want to make it and you're missing one of the ingredients, it just doesn't come out right, does it? You know, it's like you taste it and you say something's missing. Well, the five things that we're studying this month is number one, the gospel. God wants his gospel proclaimed in all the earth. Amen. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Number two, we need to walk in our authority as believers in Jesus Christ. How many of you know that God's given us authority? Amen. And number three, what we're going to talk about today is spiritual knowledge. You know, God wants you to increase in knowledge about him, about his kingdom, about his way of doing things. And he's provided us with the spiritual knowledge that we need. And we're going to talk about that today. And the fourth one we'll talk about next week is praise and worship. Come on, we got to get our praise on. Amen. Praise and worship. Did you know that God inhabits our praises? Wow. Think about that for a minute. As you praise God, his presence comes in where that's taking place. And then... Our last Sunday of the month, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, His power, and His anointing. How many of us are so important today? We need the Holy Spirit and His anointing and power. Amen? Well, you're there in Second Peter chapter 1. And he, be, he writes here, he says, Simon Peter, a servant... And an apostle of Jesus Christ. You know, before you have a position in Christ, you're a servant. You're a son and a daughter and a servant. Amen. How many know it's good to serve God? Serving God has great benefits. So he's a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith. How many has obtained like precious faith? Amen. Say, he's talking to me. With us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Notice that things are multiplied when we know things about God. Verse 3, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. How many want to partake of the divine nature? Did you know that you do that through knowledge? Through knowing Him in a close, intimate, personal way. And uh, having escaped the corruption that is in the world 
through lust, verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they've got to be increasing. They may uh, make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's talk about spiritual knowledge. I'm not talking about natural knowledge or physical knowledge. I'm talking about spiritual knowledge, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of the kingdom of God. Amen. Those are that's spiritual knowledge. It comes from the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the teacher of spiritual knowledge. And there's only one source for spiritual knowledge, and that's the Word of God. Can't get it anywhere else. This word, knowledge, in verse 2, it's the word epignosis. And it means recognition. Knowledge of a particular point Discernment, intuition, knowledge gained through first-hand relationship. Spiritual knowledge comes when you're connected to Jesus Christ. When you've accepted Him as Lord and Savior, He begins to show you things, and your knowledge of Him begins to increase, and He begins to show you things that we didn't know, amen? How many have known some things about God that you didn't know before you met Him? Right? And guess what? We haven't reached our limit. There are still things to know, still things to learn, still things to grow in. And this is precise and correct knowledge. Hallelujah. The, the Passion Translation, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says... We should live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. How many know that the spiritual knowledge of God, it's rich knowledge. It's the best knowledge. If you're going to know something, you might as well know something about eternity. Amen? Natural knowledge is going to pass away, but eternal knowledge is going to be there forever. There's a rich experience that we can have in knowing Him. Amen? The Amplified says, it talks about the full, the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. How many know that there's also a knowledge that wants to take you away from God? It's called false knowledge. And it is designed to separate you from God, to separate you from the vine. It will lead you astray. It will lead you into error. Spiritual knowledge leads you to the truth. Amen? So, spiritual knowledge, it is recognizing and perceiving your from your first-hand 
personal relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. You meet Jesus and he introduces you to the Father who gives you the Holy Spirit and you're together forever. It's the trifecta. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I heard one preacher say that the face of Jesus, or the face of God is Jesus. Right? The breath of God is the Holy Spirit. The heart of God is the Father. But the hand of God is the body of Christ. Did you know that you're Jesus' hands and feet? And we're connected, and He is our head. When you know God, you know what He offers. You know what His kingdom is, what He's given you, what He's promised you, and what He wills. Spiritual knowledge is knowing God. Amen? It's about knowing Him. Knowing what he offers, I've given you an offer you can't refuse. You know, there's not a lot of people that know what God offered. A lot of people think their life is hopeless. A lot of people think that their life can't change. A lot of people think that they're stuck and things are never going to get better because they're missing spiritual information. There's something that they don't know that's keeping them in bondage. It's keeping them stuck. But once they get introduced to the information, they can be set free. Spiritual knowledge is like the tow truck that God sent when you're stuck in the mud. And it pulls you out. Years ago, when I was in Illinois, still single, uh, a friend of mine and I, we went snowmobiling. And we were, we were cruising across this field. And... Um, my friend was driving, I was on the back, and we were cruising, man. We were doing, I don't know, 50, 60 miles an hour. And I looked behind me, and the, the field was covered in snow, but there was a path where the snowmobile was that was dark. And I looked, and I tapped my friend on the shoulder, and I said, and it happened to be water. And when he, when he slowed the snowmobile down, we sunk up to this deep in water. And that snowmobile couldn't get out, so we had to call the farmer to bring the tractor to pull the snowmobile out. And I guess if we'd have just kept going, we'd have been fine, but we didn't know that there was water underneath that snow in that field. Until I looked back and saw that path. But thank God for that tow truck. He was the spiritual knowledge that caused us to solve our problem. See, spiritual knowledge multiplies grace and peace in you. It brings you into a larger discovery of God's love, God's goodness, God's favor. Did you know it multiplies grace and favor? By grace we're saved. By grace we can do the impossible. By grace we can stand and serve. And you want grace multiplied in you, you got to know more. The more you know about God, the more He can work in your life. Some people are okay with only knowing a little bit of God. A little dabble, do you? No, it won't. You know, God is unlimited. And you can explore the depths of God and you'll never hit bottom. But 
It is through the spiritual knowledge that you have. That's what multiplies grace and peace. How many could use more grace? How many could use more peace? It's not a prayer that you pray. It's the knowledge you apply. It's the knowledge you learn and apply to your life. That's what brings more grace on the scene. Some people forsook the grace. Paul told Timothy to be strong in the grace. Right? You can let grace increase in your life. But that comes through knowing more about him and his kingdom. The level of grace and peace in your life changes according to your spiritual knowledge. When you study in the natural, you go to college, and you study a particular subject. I studied business administration. Because little did I know that my future wife was praying that she wanted a man who wants more than just a Bible degree. She wanted someone who wanted to be in business. So little did I know that God was directing my path to choose to study business, which I did. And that's where I met my beautiful wife. But she was praying behind the scenes. See, it's through spiritual knowledge. So, when you study in the natural, study a subject, they give you a degree. Right? You have attained, you have, you have studied the subject, you have passed the test, and you have earned a degree. But what do you earn When you study Jesus, you get eternal life. You get benefits on this earth. You get victory. You get power. You get help. You get strength. You get wisdom. You get direction. You get everything that God has to offer. The study of God never ends. And when you get to heaven, that's when we graduate. Amen. And the study is not going to stop there, but it's going to be a whole lot easier. Can you imagine being able to study without contending with the flesh? Woo, that's going to be something. Hallelujah. So spiritual knowledge is the key to having what God's divine power offers. He said, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, spiritual knowledge will help you be a good wife, a good husband, a good son, a good daughter, a good employee. Can you, can you apply spiritual knowledge into your natural life? Absolutely. See, spiritual knowledge is practical knowledge. It was meant to be done. It was meant to be lived out. It was meant to be applied. And the Holy Spirit will help you direct, he'll help direct you as to what spiritual knowledge needs to apply to this situation. Amen? Did you know that the Holy Spirit will bring things to your remembrance that the Father has told you? He told his disciples, he said, when you stand before the judges or the kings, don't worry about what you're going to say. Teachers are like, you mean I don't have to have any notes? No, because he said, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say in that moment. Spiritual knowledge. It enhances life and godliness. Your physical and your spiritual life. 
Everything that God promised, everything that God's given, equips you for this life and for the life after it. Did you know that when Moses built the tabernacle, that God anointed artisans to craft the gold, shape the metal, build the wood? They were anointed by God to do a natural task. God gave them spiritual ability and spiritual knowledge to build a building for God. Beautiful craftsmanship. If you're a craftsman, you've been given something by God. Every one of us has been given gifts by God, talents by God, abilities by God. Jesus made spiritual knowledge readily and easily acceptable or accessible. How many know it's accessible? It's not locked away somewhere in a vault. You can get it anywhere. Spiritual knowledge has been made available to you. And if you want it, you can have it, but that's the key. Not everybody wants it. So not everybody seeks it. And then they go away scratching their head like, why am I having these problems in their life? This has got the answer to every one of your problems right here. Every problem is addressed in the Word of God. And if you apply the spiritual knowledge to that problem, you'll bring a solution to it. It has the power and the ability to move you forward, to open every door that has been closed. Hallelujah. Divine information, revelation, and impartation can change circumstances even if they've been there for years. Think about this for a minute. I looked up a few uh, stories in the Bible. The woman with the issue of blood, how long did she deal with that problem? Twelve years. Because twelve years she had the wrong information. Twelve years. Look, she had information from doctors. She had information from procedures. She had information from tests. But none of that information changed her situation until she heard some spiritual information. She heard, the Bible says that she heard of Jesus. She got new information. She heard something that she hadn't heard before. And when she heard that information, all those 12 years were handled in one moment. She believed the information that she received. And she went to the source. She went to Jesus. Jesus at the time was the walking spiritual encyclopedia. See, because not everybody had the Holy Spirit on them in that day. They didn't even have the New Testament in that day. They didn't even have churches in that day. They had synagogues. But yet... Jesus provided that woman reports of Jesus, of what he did, of the miracles he performed. That's spiritual knowledge. And that woman came into spiritual knowledge and she said, I'm going to get me some more of this. Say that, say, I'm going to get me some more of this. And so in a weakened physical condition, she made her way to Jesus. She made her way through the crowd. And what happened when she applied that spiritual knowledge and she touched the hem of his garment? She got zapped. 
Bible says virtue went from him into her and she felt in her body that she was healed of something she dealt with 12 years. In one moment, what changed? Her information changed. She was, she found access to that spiritual knowledge. And that's what changed her situation. How about the man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5? 38 years. Someone say 38 years. How many of us would be okay with a problem that lasts 38 years? Some of us are thinking, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay? Now, the information that he had was... Something at some particular time, an angel comes down and stirs the waters, right? And whoever gets in the water gets healed. That was the information that he had. But he was lame. He could not make his way down to the water. He saw people do it. He knew it worked. But he couldn't get himself into the water. So he sat there. Year after year, watching other people get in the water. For 38 years! Until the master school teacher came by. His name is Jesus. He came by and he gave this man new information. What are you doing? I'm waiting for someone to put me in. You know what Jesus' information was? Pick up your mat and walk. New information. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that I could pick up my mat and walk. But he got new information. He got spiritual knowledge. And what happened? 38 years of pain. 38 years of suffering. 38 years of turmoil was ended in one moment when he enacted the spiritual knowledge. And he got up and picked up his mat and walked. Now, the people who were going in the water were seeing him walking away, and he didn't even get get in the water. Jesus didn't even use the water. He used the Word, because the Word is water. It was the spiritual knowledge that changed the situation. How about in Luke 13? There was a woman who was attending the synagogue. She could not stand straight up. The Bible says she had this thing for 18 years. Everybody say 18 years. years. That's when you graduate high school. 18 years of being like this. 18 years, not a Pharisee, not a scribe, not a Sadducee, gave her different information that changed her situation. She obviously attended the synagogue regularly. How many know that people can attend church but miss what goes on there? And Jesus entered the synagogue. And he saw her. And first of all, the information that he gave her was, she's an heir. She was a daughter of Abraham. How many know Abraham's a father of faith? You and I are sons and daughters of Abraham. We are children of faith by Abraham because we have the same covenant. We believe the same way. We got righteous the same way as Abraham did. 
She, Jesus gave her that information. How, how this daughter of Abraham, she shouldn't be like this. She has access to better things. She has access to more wonderful things. And he said, woman, thou art loose. She never heard a Pharisee. She never heard a scribe say that she was loosed. But the information changed in one day. And in one day, 18 years of pain, 18 years of bento, now she could stand straight up. Why? What changed? Her information changed. Her spiritual knowledge changed. And it was in a very simple statement. Woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. The scribes and the Pharisees did not know that this woman was bound by a spirit of infirmity. Because it takes someone with spiritual knowledge to deal with spiritual things. And did you know that everything originates from the spirit? Through great grace and peace are multiplied to you through the knowledge of him. Knowing him. Go to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. See, in order for you to be, if you're feeling stuck, you don't have to stay that way. See, I don't have to stay this way. You can get unstuck in a moment by simply changing your information. Listen to this. People are stuck with things until they access, accept, and apply Spiritual knowledge, which changes and improves their circumstances. Did you know that spiritual knowledge has, can change a fact? You may have a, a broken elbow, that's a fact, but spiritual knowledge can put those bones together and heal them quicker than what the doctor said. Because spiritual knowledge changes facts. But here's the thing, you've got to access, accept and apply. Say access. Accept. And apply. How do you access it? You hear it. How do you accept it? You believe it. How do you apply it? You do it. Alright, First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, as you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God, who has called you unto his kingdom and glory. How many know that God has called you? If if you know God's called you, say amen. Okay? Now that he's called you, you've got to walk worthy of him. What does it mean that? It means that you're accessing, accepting, and applying the spiritual knowledge that you're gaining about him. How do you walk worthy of God? You put the word into practice. It is impossible to please God without one thing. What is that thing? Faith. What is faith? Faith is doing what the word says. It's taking that spiritual knowledge that you get from hearing it, from reading it, from meditating on it. And then you do it. You actually do what it says. Before I figured out what God wanted me to do with my life, I did not know what he wanted. So you know what I did to solve the problem? I sought him. 
Everybody say, he sought him. You mean you solved the problem of finding your purpose by seeking God? Yes. Why? Because spiritual knowledge is really accessible. I spent time seeking God. I took long walks praying to God. I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to be? I said that I, I meditated in His Word. I, th- I said, I thank you, Lord, Romans eight fourteen. as many as are led by the Spirit of God. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit leads me. He guides me. He directs me. I thank you, Lord, that you're making crooked things straight, darkness light. You're bringing me in a path that I have not been on. You're, you're bringing me in a way that I did not know. And you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's Isaiah forty two sixteen. I got Colossians 1, 9. Pray that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will. Father, I thank you that you're filling me with the knowledge of your will. That I know your will. That's a prayer. I prayed those prayers. I stood on those verses. And I saw God. And guess what? You know what happened? God showed me. He showed me the step. He showed me what to do. His will for my life became more clearer and clearer than what it was before. Why? What changed? My information. My spiritual knowledge. Did you know that God will give you a private lesson anytime that you want? He is your tutor. He is your mentor. You can talk with Him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. He has access for everybody. He, he's never, his schedule is always open for His children. We have the professor of the spiritual university that we can talk to anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Hallelujah. He's not only the head professor. He started the university. He wrote the curriculum. He knows more about it than anybody. This is spiritual knowledge. Somehow in my mind, it came out differently. But you know what? The Holy Ghost knows. Listen, everywhere Jesus went... He shared new spiritual information about his kingdom that people did not know. Peter did not know, even though he was a professional fisherman, he did not know how to fill up two boats of fish. Until someone borrowed his boat and shared new information that Peter didn't know. How do I know? Because Peter was so amazed at the catch. He had never seen a catch like that. Andrew had never seen a catch like that. They they caught fish, but not like that. Because all of them were amazed. They caught more fish than they ever caught in their lives in one moment. Why? Their information changed. Their spiritual knowledge changed. They invited Jesus into their boat. And it caused... Do you realize those boats in, those, in, in Peter's day could hold a ton of fish? You're talking two tons of fish that they fished all night long and couldn't catch a single one. And in one moment when their information changed, they went from zero to two boats almost sinking. That's a lot of, you know what, fish. <laughs> I'm not going to say what you know what is. But think about it. What changed? Their information. And then 
Jesus told Peter, look, you know how to fish, but let me teach you how to fish for men. I will make you. I will make you into a fisherman. How's Peter going to fish for men? Because he's going to be taught to. He was taught how to fish for men. He was taught to be an apostle. He was taught to be a preacher. He was taught. Who taught him? Jesus taught him. The Holy Spirit taught him. And he did the work. What changed? Spiritual information changed. Spiritual knowledge. One who walks worthy of the Lord is one who receives spiritual knowledge and applies your life to it. Notice I didn't say apply it to your life. No, you apply your life to it because spiritual knowledge is at a higher standard than where we are. So we got to apply our lives to it. But here's what people do. They try to fit the spiritual knowledge into their life instead of their life conforming to the spiritual knowledge. Then you're still in control of your life. You're still being God. And when Jesus is Lord, you surrender all. Go to 1 Thessalonians, or look at verse 13. This, for this cause also, same, same chapter, 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God. Notice, what did they do? They received the word of God. What's the word of God? It's spiritual knowledge. They, were, they received it. Say they received it. Which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is the word of truth, the word of God. Do you realize when the donkey spoke to Balaam, he did not receive it as the word of a donkey. He received it as the word of God because God was speaking through the donkey. But it was information that changed, that saved his life. If he had listened to the donkey, he'd have been cut with the spiritual sword that the angel was holding. So it doesn't matter how the spiritual information comes, you've got to be able to recognize the source. If it comes from a four-year-old, they could be speaking the words of God. You, it's up to you to recognize who the source behind it is. They received it as the word of God. Listen, it doesn't matter the messenger, but it matters the message. All right? Which you heard of us, you received it, not as the word of men, but as the truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. I want you to see, the moment they received the word, it began to work in them. When they received the spiritual knowledge, the spiritual knowledge began to do something. Ooh, I feel it working. Something on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Something on the inside. See, God always works inside out. He never works outside in. Why? Because it is your spirit that has been made new. Your body and your mind still need work. <laughs> my, my body and my mind still need work. Amen? Yes. Mind has to be renewed. Body has to be subdued. Yes. Your spirit is already made new. Your, your spirit is already a new creature. If you're born again, if you have Jesus Christ the Lord, you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. So, go to 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I can never get tired of saying the word Thessalonian. It just, it just has a certain flow to it. I love it. 
Thessalonia. Those are people from Thessalonica. You ought to read about Acts when Paul went to Thessalonica. These, these are the people that he's re- writing to. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. How often should you give thanks? Always. When, you, when you're thriving in spiritual knowledge, you're always thankful. Okay? Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Belief of the truth is receiving spiritual knowledge. Did you know that God chose you for salvation? Say, I'm chosen. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of the obtaining of the glory of the Lord of Jesus. How do you obtain the Lord's glory? Through spiritual knowledge. You get you get access to his stuff. Okay? Verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast. And hold the traditions which you have been taught. Uh-oh, that means you've got to actually carry out the teachings. You've actually got to put them into practice. You can't just come to church and say, oh, that was a good message, and go home and do nothing. You ought to at least meditate in what, something that was said that day. What does it mean to meditate? To repeat it over and over. To ponder it. To think about it. Put it in the forefront of your mind. How many has ever eaten food? Think of your favorite food. Do you eat that? Th- do you eat your favorite food in one bite? Okay, let's just take let's just take pizza. All right. If you don't like pizza, then think of something else. You can't eat a piece of pizza in one bite. You've got to take a bite. You've got to chew it. Right? And as you chew it, saliva flows. And then once you've chewed it enough, then you swallow it. Then you've got to take another bite. Right? Because one bite won't do you. If you try to eat a pizza in one bite, you might have some trouble. You know, there's a place in Illinois, in my hometown, Gabriel knows of this, it's called Luz La Grotto. And uh, Gabriel got to experience that. And their pizza, one slice is as big as, you know those paper plates, those white paper plates with the ridges? It's as big, it fills the plate fully, and it's this thick. And there's no way you're eating that sucker in one bite. (laughs) So here's my point. When you take the Word of God, you don't have to swallow 20 scriptures at one time. You take a little bit, and you chew on it, and you think about it, and you meditate it, and then it breaks it down into pieces, and then it gets in you. You know, an apple can't get in you unless you break it down in pieces. What digestion is to the body, meditation is to your spirit. It's a way of processing what God said so it gets in your heart. Okay? Verse 16. So you've got to practice what you've been taught. Right? Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself 
And God, even our Father, which has loved us, has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your heart and establish you in every good work. That's because you're applying the spiritual knowledge. Alright? John 17.3. You can turn there. John 17.3. Did you know that salvation comes about by who you know? I know people in high places. I'm connected to the King. How many are connected to the King? Amen? If you know Jesus, you're connected to the King. Glory to God. John 17, verse 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. How is eternal life communicated? By who you know. It's by knowing. Knowing Him. Having a personal relationship. Everybody say relationship. In a relationship, there has to be communication. Right? In a relationship, there has to be interaction. In a relationship, there has to be fellowship. Right? Can you imagine a married couple living in a big house and the wife's living on one end and the husband's living on one end? They never talk to each other. They got a 20-foot table in between them. Amen? That wouldn't be pleasant, would it? Why? Because you've got to communicate. Because there's no spiritual gift of mind reading. Some of you know people so well that it's like reading their minds, but that's not a gift. Amen? You've got to communicate. Just like you've got to communicate with Jesus. It's a relationship. It's not one-sided. It's not where Jesus does all the talking. You know, I'm praying and Jesus does all the talking. No, he wants to hear your voice. Can you imagine coming here this morning and not being able to open our mouths and praise the Lord? Wouldn't that be terrible? Why? God needs your praise. He doesn't need it. He wants it. Alright? He, he has given you the ability to speak with your voice and He wants your voice to talk to Him. To praise Him. Amen? There's interaction. Why? It's a relationship. So, eternal life is this, that you know Him, the one true God in Jesus Christ. That you know Him, you know, you know some things about the Father. And guess what? That's got to be increasing. Well, last year I learned two things about the Father. This year I might learn one. No. You've got to increase your knowledge of God. Aren't you glad... That, well, I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Let's just be glad that we can grow. Amen? Growing is good. I long for the day when I would have to shave every day. Listen, when I went to Raymond, I was 21. I could shave and be good for about a week and a half. Seriously. I tried to grow a mustache for graduation, but that was a sorry thing, man. You might as well just put some milk on and let the cat lick it off or something. It was a sorry thing. Seriously, true story. 
I'm like, I, I, I want to be able to shave, but it just, it just wasn't manifesting. Until once again, my future wife was praying. Seriously. And we met one time. Because she came, after she, after she graduated Regent, she came back to the Cleveland area, and we were sitting, and she's looking at me. And she said, is that a five o'clock shower? I said, it's the strangest thing. Every day now, I've got to shave every day. Why, things were changing on me. She, she prayed in on my face. <laughs> Celebrate a praying woman, guys, I'm telling you. I just said that to say growth is good. You know, when you grow, you change, you develop, you increase. And God wants us to grow in the knowledge of God. We shouldn't know less about God than we did last year. We should know more about God. Why? He didn't call you to be stuck in the mud. He called you. God is a God of movement and progress. Go to Philippians chapter 3. We're, all, we're talking about knowing God because that's spiritual knowledge. Spiritual knowledge is knowing Him, knowing His kingdom, knowing His way. Did you know that there are things that God hates? We can hate what God hates, but if you don't know what He hates, it's hit or miss. Right? But when you know what He hates, you can be confident. I hate that. I hate lying. I hate deceiving. Uh, you know, six, read Proverbs 6. If you, if you don't know what God hates, read Proverbs 6. Six things I hate, seven that really tick me off. That's my version. Yes, he hates the shedding of innocent blood. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. This is Paul writing. Now, Paul was a very educated man. He trained under the best mentors. He actually trained to be a Pharisee. Right? Verse 8. Yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul is telling us that spiritual knowledge is greater than natural knowledge because it's more excellent. The excellence of the knowledge of Him. Right? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Knowing the Lord is the best thing that you could know. But if you know other things, that's good. But knowing the Lord is the most important thing. Amen? He's not saying that we should be ignorant. Because the Bible says, those who want to be ignorant, be ignorant still. Amen? God's not a, He doesn't want us to be ignorant, unknowing. He wants us to know, right? But knowing God is the most important thing. It's the most excellent thing. It's the best thing that you can know. So, guess what? If you want to know something, that's where you invest your time. That's where you invest your energy, is knowing God. If you want to develop a skill, develop Christianity. Christianity actually means to be Christ-like. If you want to be Christ-like, you've got to know what He says. You've got to know what He thinks. You've got to know what He does. You've got to know what He wants. You've got to know what He doesn't want. Too many Christians are their own lords and they're not Jesus' Lord. Because, by the way, I say, they make up their own rules. God's word says this, but they, they, for whatever reason, they don't do it. They do their own thing. 
That's because they're, they're their own Lord. Jesus is not Lord. I know that's a strong statement, but it's a true statement. Jesus himself said, you're either with me or against me. Didn't he? He did. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, are you glad you came to church this morning? Amen. <laughs> Go to Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. Go back to Second Peter. Chapter 2, verse 20. Notice this. This is powerful. Any, any word is, any word of God is powerful. Notice this. Verse 20, 2 Peter chapter 2. For if they, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through what? Oh my goodness. You can escape the corruption of the world through spiritual knowledge. I got to read this. After they have escaped the pollutions of the world or the corruption of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. And the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. What does that mean? Some people who have known God left God. I'll give you a biblical example. King Saul. The first king of Israel. King Saul had dandruff. You know, he was head and shoulders above the rest. Just kidding. Head and shoulders is a dandruff shampoo. <laughs> Come on, you've got to have a little bit of fun, amen? So King Saul, he was anointed as king. He was ordained as king. He was chosen as king. And while he was being king, he was given a command from God. How many know, even though you're the king of a country, God is still the king of the world. And he told Saul through the prophet Samuel, I want you to kill all the Amalekites. Because the Amalekites were the first people that attacked Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. So, he, he said, I want you to take them all out. Don't keep anything. Wipe them all out. See, when, when a group of people, they refuse to repent and get right with God, they will experience judgment. But I guarantee you that God gave them multiple times of mercy before that moment came. And uh, so King Saul went and he attacked them and he, he overcame them and he defeated them. But he kept the king, Agag. And he kept the best sheep and the best cows and the best bulls or whatever. He kept them. And uh, so Samuel came on the scene, right? And Samuel said, very obvious, did you do what the Lord said? Saul said, yes, I did. Did he do it? But in his own mind, he's thinking that he did. Because he lacks spiritual knowledge. And then Samuel asked the obvious question. What is the bleeding of the sheep I hear? Oh, well, the people made me do it. Listen, pal, you're the king. All right? Peer pressure does not affect the king because what the king says is law. You're the king. You knew what you were supposed to do, but you didn't do it. Right? And when Samuel was walking away, right, you can read the story. 
he, Saul grabbed his robe and it tore, right? And Samuel said, just like my robe tore, God's tearing the kingdom from you. And from that moment, Saul lost the anointing. See, when you go against spiritual knowledge, it doesn't benefit you, it hurts you. So, what was the knowledge? Kill the Amalekites. Simple assignment. He didn't do it. He did some of it, but not all of it. It's like Peter getting out of the boat. Well, Jesus, I got out of the boat. Yeah, but you didn't make it the whole way. So, Jesus told Peter, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Did Jesus praise Peter for getting out of the boat? Even though he did? No, because he didn't complete the journey. See, when we don't complete something that God asks, it's undone. And then we're not valuing his word like we should. And even though Saul remained in the position of king, he was without the anointing. And what happened to Saul without the anointing? He was tormented by an evil spirit that would get a hold of him. Right? And the only relief that he could find was when an anointed person played the instrument. David. When David played the instrument, that would... Stop the torment, but only while David played. The torment would come back after David left. Right? You know you're tormented when you try to suck, uh, uh, chuck a spear at your secretary. David was Saul's secretary, right? He was working in the temple and Saul picks up a javelin and tries to kill him. That's demonic. Amen? That's what torment will do to a person. See, when you're, when you're not getting the right spiritual knowledge... You're, you're getting another spiritual knowledge. One that's against God. You know that we have an enemy who's a spirit? He's called the devil, the father of lies, the deceiver, the accuser of the brethren, and so much more. And if we're not accessing God's spiritual knowledge, the devil will oblige. He'll fill you with the knowledge, and it won't be good. It won't turn out good for you. So, spiritual knowledge helps us escape the corruption that's in the world. Did you know that your spiritual knowledge acts like a spacesuit to an astronaut? It protects you. It keeps you. Did you know that Joshua and Caleb had to stick with the spiritual knowledge in the midst of a group of complainers and whiners? And murmurers for 40 years. Do you know how many people were around Joshua and Caleb who complained, murmured, and grumbled? Do you know how many funerals that Joshua and Caleb had to go to? But yet, they had to maintain their faith. Oh, I'm just in the midst of bad people. I can't maintain. Your faith is greater than that. Your faith is more resilient than that. Faith is not weak. When you exercise faith, you can be alone, but you're a majority with God, and you can move mountains. You can do great things. Stop blaming the amount of people that you're around. Joshua and Caleb didn't. Jesus didn't. When, so many, when he talked about eat my body and, and drink my blood, you know how many people left him? From he, he turned to his disciples and said, are you going to leave too? So many people were leaving him, leaving his ministry, quitting following him. 
And he, he didn't complain, but he asked the question. Are you going to leave too? And Peter said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You don't think Jesus experienced loss? My point is, see, when you complain, murmur, and grumble, you're applying demonic knowledge to your problem. Not spiritual knowledge. You will never find the Holy Ghost leading you to complain. As many as complain are led by the Holy Spirit. No, they're not. There's nothing holy about that. <laughs> Go to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Notice this. I love how he, this is a great way to end a letter. Grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. And everybody say grow. The Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write this last phrase of this letter. And he's telling us to grow. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to grow. Amen? Get ready, get set, grow! Right? I mean, after all, the kingdom of God is about seed time and harvest. What farmer doesn't expect the seed to grow? Well, I planted some corn seeds in that field, but they haven't grown in six months. I'm hoping that something will come up. No! That farmer expects to see corn stalks and expects to see ears of corn. Amen? The, the, the Bible works on seed time and harvest. God's word is a seed. Your field, your heart is the field. It's, it's the soil that the seed is planted in, and God expects it to grow. If you're not growing, then what's happening? Hallelujah. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3. And then I think I'm. About ready to close. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Actually, uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to verse 5. Colossians 3 and verse 5. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. What does mortify mean? It means you meet the mortician. What members is he talking about? He's talking about our flesh, our natural tendencies, our influences of this world. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication. Uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence. That is an interesting word. That's unnatural desire. I'd rather use unnatural concupiscence. <laughs> and covetousness, which is idolatry. Do you know that when you covet something, you're making it an idol? Covet means you want that. You don't want something like it, you want that. Alright? In which you also walked some time when you lived, when you lived in them. This was our old man. 
This was pre-Christ. Okay? But now, everybody say now. Now he requires a change. You also put off these things. Anger. Stop making excuses for letting your anger get the best of you. Oh, it's just my culture. No, it's not. We have a kingdom culture. It's just my nationality. No, it's not. Stop making excuses. Kill it. Put some weed killer on it. What's The word of God is weed killer to these things. <laughs> okay? Wrath, malice, blasphemy. Blasphemy is speaking things that are against God. Calling things of the devil things of God. Filthy communication out of your mouth. You may, I, I don't know. Did anyone ever have parents that put soap in your mouth? I remember one time when I was young, my sister had an apartment. She was, it was part of the house. It used to be my mom's uh, beauty parlor. She, my mom had a beauty salon in the house. And um, she had a little cup of Dawn on the sink, and I thought it was water because I was really young. I drank it. That was not pleasant. No, it, it made me yawn in technicolor. I'd rather just stop the, communi- the filthy communication out of my mouth than have it to be cleansed by soap. Amen? Alright, verse 9. Lie not to one another. Oh, it's only a lie. Stop putting colors on lies. It doesn't matter what color you name it. A lie is a lie. It's bad. Lie not, seeing that we have put off the old man with his deeds. Verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in what? Renewed in knowledge. If you want to operate this new life, you've got to have new, new knowledge, new insight, new information, new understanding. It comes from the Word. And be renewed in knowledge after the image of Him. Jesus is the image. Jesus is the model. And when you get to know Him, you're getting that information. And it's helping you make a change in your life. Created in Him, there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, Barbian or Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Then He says, verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God. How many are God's elect? If God chose you, He elected you. Did you know that God voted for you? He did. He said, I vote for you. I'm for you. So, put on bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Everybody say, forgiving one another. Oh, yeah. If any man have a quarrel against any, it didn't say you have to like him, but you do have to forgive him. Even as Christ forgave you, so also you do. You've got to do what Christ did. And the only way to do what Christ did is to know what Christ did. Spiritual knowledge. Amen? Alright, let's go back to Second Peter chapter 1. And then let's wrap this thing up today. A lot of things were said about knowledge. Second Peter chapter 1. I just want to reiterate uh, something here. Um, spiritual knowledge 
is the knowledge of Christ, knowledge of the anointing. It's knowing Him. When you know Him, you know it all. Amen? Why? Because you're connected to the source of all knowledge. Right? We can... uh, And He illuminates us. You know, the the Bible says that the entrance of God's Word gives light. Right? So He illuminates your mind. He illuminates your understanding. He he gives us things that we did not know. Amen? And... uh, So, grace and peace are multiplied to you, verse 2, through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. And I want you to notice this, uh, verse 5 and 6, that knowledge is between virtue and temperance. Knowledge holds together virtue. That's uh, being right-minded, doing excellent things, and... Temperance, self-control. If you want to do great things, if you want to exercise self-control, you've got to have spiritual knowledge in the middle holding it all together. You will not exercise self-control through willpower. Because willpower has a limit. You can do certain things with willpower, but willpower will not sustain you long term. You need something greater. Amen? Amen? And verse 8, go down to verse 8. If these things be in you and abound, say they're in me and they're growing. They'll make you that you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Neither barren nor unfruitful. You're always producing. You're always productive. Amen? You're a vine that's producing fruit. God wants you to be fruit. When you're not producing enough fruit, you know what He does? He prunes you. He removes some things that are dead, that are, that are suckers in your life. I, I used to prune trees, I know. I see, I see the effects of a pruned tree. The, the trees that I pruned, they grew bigger, they grew stronger, they were more vibrant, more full of life. Pruning is good, because it enriches your life. Number one, you've got to know Jesus as Savior. That's spiritual knowledge, number one. All right? Then you've got you, you to know the Holy Ghost. And if, you, if you're born again and you have access to the Holy Spirit, His power, His wisdom, His teaching. And then you've got to know what God's called you to do. You've got to know your purpose so that you can do it. God did not call you to sit and do nothing. Even if you're incapable of walking, you can pray. You can do things one lady, she, she, had, she was incapable of walking. So, you know, she, she started to write letters to prisoners in prison. And she ended up getting a bunch of prisoners saved. She was doing something. Amen? And you say, what do I do? You've got to ask God what to do and just do that. If, if you're weak physically, you can get healed or find something that you can do for God. You can pray. Amen? Instead of watching TV, we can pray. Right? We can read the Bible. We can get on the phone and call someone and encourage them, right? Amen? There's things that we can do. We are, the body of Christ was not created to do nothing. We were created to do great things. And do not let the devil steal your joy. We've got to learn to enjoy God. God is fun. God is exciting. Amen? God is the life of the party. And you're not too old and you're not too young. 
Do you know what Moses' retirement was? Deliver God's people from Egypt. Why? He was 80. You mean, I can go when I'm 80 and deliver people? Yeah, because God said you could do it. Amen? And he was true to the spiritual knowledge. It took him 40 years to learn that. Don't be like Moses. Don't take 40 years to relearn something. God will put you on the backside of the desert with sheep to teach you how to be a leader of people. We've got to be about the Father's business. We've got to stop making excuses. If, if God called you to start a business, start your business. Do your business. Do it, do it for God. Amen? You don't retire until you leave this earth. You've got to finish your course with joy. Paul got to the point where he said, I have ran my race. I have finished my... If you, haven't, if you don't have the joy to finish yet, you're not done. So you don't be checking out early because that means more work for us. Too many people are checking out early. Let's do rapture practice. Rapture ain't here yet, honey. So keep your feet on the ground. You don't need to practice for rapture because when the rapture comes, you're going up. It doesn't require any practice. Rapture practice. I probably did that in my younger days. I'm practicing for the rapture. You're going to need a bigger spring than that. You better get some springs on those shoes. Better get a trampoline or something. Better get a jetpack. You know, James Bond and Thunderball jetpack. Oh man, now I'm just in a place. We gotta listen. Too many Christians are stuck in the mud, and you're letting the devil suck the joy out of you. You're, you're letting the devil suck the joy out of Christianity. Jo- Christianity should be a joy. It's not a burden. Matter of fact, Jesus said, my burden is light, so if your burden is heavy, Jesus didn't give it to you. My yoke is easy. Oh, this, this heavy yoke that you gave me. God says, I didn't give it to you. What you doing with a heavy yoke? I didn't give you no heavy yoke. I'll crack that yoke. Amen? God can crack the heavy yoke that you're carrying. See, the thing of it is, it's heavy because you're doing it on your own. You're not doing it with God or for God. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Joy is such a wonderful element. And the Bible has so many rich things to say about joy. He said, when my joy is in you, your joy will be full. Right? He said, in his presence is fullness. See, Nelson and Nadine, come up here. I need some people behind them. I need some helpers. See, when the joy flows, they just yield. They don't have to work it up. Because it just flows. Because they have a house by the river. And, and the river flows through it. So, Father, I just thank you right now, Lord, that they are releasing joy into this atmosphere by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Joy. It's contagious joy. Hallelujah. Joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. If you need some joy, I want you to come up here right now. 
We're going to go fishing in the joy stream. And we're going to catch us some joy trout. We're going to catch us some joy salmon. Hallelujah. Joy. Get rid of all your preconceived ideas. And just let God turn your frown upside down. Joy in the Lord and in the Holy Ghost. You think breaking gives you joy. Let me tell you, joy, God is the, the Holy Ghost is the icing on your joy cake. He's the filling in your joy donut. He's, oh, hallelujah. He's the powdered sugar on your joy cake, on your joy wafer. He's the sprinkle on your joy cookie in the name of Jesus. Joy of the Lord. Joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Whose joy? It's the joy of the Lord that He freely gives to you. It's effervescent. It's bubbling. It's flowing. Shake up that joy. Hallelujah. Just loose yourself from every tie. Hallelujah. Receive the joy of the Lord. The joy of what's ahead. The joy of the blessing of God. The joy of the benefit of God. In the name of Jesus. The joy. Hallelujah. The joy of a sunset beach. The joy of the warm water and the sand in the name of Jesus. God's joy, Holy Ghost joy, flowing out of your innermost being like a river of living water. Joy. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Joy. Father, joy. Open up the floodgate right now and let that joy flow in the name of Jesus. Flow, joy. Flow. Flow. Hallelujah. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for the joy that fills her heart, the joy that floods her soul, the joy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know it may seem crazy, but God has joy. Oh, he turns sorrow into dancing. He turns, oh, hallelujah. Father, I thank you right now for the joy of the Lord that touches his heart and floods his soul in the name of Jesus. That joy that relieves the pressure. That joy that brings freedom. That joy that brings healing. That joy that brings comfort in the name of Jesus. Joy flow right now. Hallelujah. Double portion, double portion, double portion. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Joy. 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 Best stress relief. Joy. Joy. It's a free gift. <laughs> Stir up that joy, Father. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Joy. 
for all the stress, all the trouble. God said he'll give you double for the trouble. Like he said to Job in the name of Jesus. Ha, ha, ha. Let that joy flow in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of the Lord. The joy. Joy gives you strength. Joy gives you strength. Joy gives you strength. Joy. Strength comes with joy. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the joy of the Lord. Joy, the fullness of joy in your presence. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Those of you that are out here say, Father, thank you for the joy. You're my source of joy. You're the joy giver. I live in your joy. I move in your joy. I wake up in your joy. I go to sleep in your joy. Your joy doesn't make sense, but it makes me feel good. Hallelujah. We are not going to let the devil steal our joy in the name of Jesus. God gave us knowledge of how we can have joy. It's the joy of the Lord. Not from life, not from circumstances, not from the world, not from your neighbor. It's from the Lord. Hallelujah. They didn't know they were going to do that, neither did I until this moment. Father, I thank you that there's a joy coming. There's a, it's here right now. That joy that touches his body and makes it strong. That joy that relieves the pressure and the things that he doesn't know how he's going to figure this out or figure that out, Lord. You've already got it figured out. Lord, just douse him with your joy right now. In the name of Jesus, we release the joy of the Holy Ghost. Ha, ha, ha. And see, when we gain knowledge about what God said... It makes it easier to yield. See, God, God doesn't make you do anything. Like Stephen, come up, come up here. See, he, he doesn't make you do anything. But he just does things. And you just have to yield to that. See, I didn't even tell you a joke. But see, God is already working. He works on the, it's, 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 it, oh, it's explosive. It's like a volcano shooting up from your belly. In the It's just how the Holy Ghost works. If Spock were here, he would say that's highly illogical. Because it's not meant to be logical. It's spiritual. Sometimes spiritual things don't make sense to our natural selves. You just have to go with the flow. However that flow is going. Amen? Ha, ha, ha. Thank you. 
so good. Hallelujah. <laughs> you have come to a day and an hour that you will need to live in the supernatural. As I instructed Elijah, I sent my word to him and provided for him in a famine, took care of him when resources seemed in hiding. I provided for my servant the prophets, but I'm calling my people to walk in a greater degree of the supernatural. Increase your knowledge about how I want you to live on this earth. I've called you to live successfully, fulfilling. And I will lead in God and direct you. For I am the author of the supernatural, says the Lord. My word will be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. It will guide you through the darkness. It will show you where to go. It will tell you what to do. It will instruct you and it will keep you. For I have commissioned it so. So be of good cheer. For I am with you. Be not afraid. Be not dismayed. Because I am the way. And if you follow me, you'll get to where I have destined you to be. Amen. Amen. You know, every service has its own unique flavor and flow. And you want to get in as many as you can. Especially as we see the day approaching. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. God bless you. You all have a great and wonderful, awesome day and week. Amen.